At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 315 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, the guru of Red Leg Nation and RedsMinorLeagues.com, Doug Gray. You making it out there, Doug Gray? I'm surviving, Chad. How you doing over there? I'm doing pretty well, uh, at least as, as as well as could be expected under the current circumstances. We are now uh, one week away from opening day, right? As we I record mean, this? that's... The schedule I have says we're one week away. I, I, I mean, my calendar also says that, but I feel like we're going to have to uh, have a, a conversation about why we won't be having opening day in one week. Yes, obviously, uh, you all know the nationwide pandemic that's, uh, that's sort of overtaken the country has affected all professional sports as well. And uh, there's no baseball for now. Now, this week, we are going to talk uh, about the little bit of baseball news that we have here as it relates to the Cincinnati Reds and this podcast. But this week, it was kind of uh, noted that opening day, they had originally said two weeks, and now it's uh, indefinitely been pushed back opening day. So we don't have any dates, don't have any idea when the teams are coming back. I think everyone involved according, involved in baseball, according to uh, the reports, seem to think that we're going to be, you know, best case scenario, we may get baseball in July. Uh, so, so Doug, it's kind of a an open-ended situation here, and it's uh, uncharted uh, territory, isn't it? I mean, it is. I, I'm, we've seen, or at least we, we know of, some of us haven't quite seen it, um, you know, past baseball stoppages. But usually that's been around either war, unfortunately— or, you know, strikes slash lockouts. Um, and, I mean, we're, we're kind of seeing something a, a little bit different right now. And I, I think that baseball is kind of looking back right now. Both Major League Baseball and the Players Association are kind of trying to work together, at least kind of get a, a plan in place or several plans in place, depending on how this plays out as to what they want to do moving forward. And, um, you know, Dick Williams was on the Reds Hot Stove League last night talking about, you know, this year could be a little bit different if we get around to playing baseball in terms of how they'll handle both the season and maybe playoffs, just because we, we don't really know what's going to happen right now. Um, you know, I'm sure Reds fans who were either around or have heard the stories, uh, the fateful 1981 season when, uh, you know, baseball played basically two different halves of a season with the winner of each half qualifying for the playoffs uh, Chad, do you want to tell everybody what happened with the Cincinnati Reds that year? They had the best record in the uh, in the league that year, so I guess they probably won the World Series. I believe I can't remember; it's been too so long ago. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, they, well, they did not. The Reds did not qualify as either the first half champion or the second half champion. They finished in second place both halves, and so missed the playoffs entirely. Even though they had the best record, oh, that's just that that is typical Cincinnati sports right there. I mean, it, it's encapsulated in everything that you know about Cincinnati sports encapsulated in that story. I think. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. So let's. Uh, you mentioned Dick Williams' uh, comments on this week's hot stove and um, how the season might uh, be able to play out. And there are, you know, uh, 
a lot of different ideas floating out there and, and no answers just yet. Dick Williams said one of the things that have been talked about is uh, maybe scheduling a lot of doubleheaders for the rest of the season, try to get as many games in as possible before uh, before a uh, playoff series uh, or postseason. Uh, and, and one of the ideas was to just expand the rosters to allow for deeper uh, pitching staffs for, for all these doubleheaders, so there's going to be a lot more relievers if that happens. Ugh, I don't know. Anybody likes that idea. And, uh, you know, he says they could get creative on the back end. Now, what does that mean, creative on the back end, about how they do the postseason? That's, that's the most intriguing thing to me. Could we see a complete overhaul, at least even just for one year, of what the postseason is? You know, that could be fun, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you know, what one of the things that, I mean, again, there's been no actual, you know, leaks of information about what this could look like. So everything that we're going to discuss is being speculated upon by third-party observers here. But I actually saw one interesting possibility floated out there that, you know, maybe you do something like they do with the World Baseball Classic or, um, you know, in the Dominican Winter League. You have, say, uh, I mean, right now we would have six qualified teams for the playoffs. Maybe you take half of the league and you do a round-robin kind of thing for the first round. And you and then you kind of just you, – you get more teams in there because with a shortened season, you, you, you may or may not know exactly who technically is, the quote-unquote, the best team's out there so you take a few extra teams and you try and just kind of go with the flow i guess uh and, and play you know two or three weeks of round robin uh playoffs for the first round and then you go to a normal playoff system where you know maybe the top four teams make the the next round and then you play at a normal you know best of seven series moving forward and i i, I like that idea assuming that you can actually make it happen uh in, in the right time frame to still end the season uh, in enough time to not really i don't want to say uh, risk injury for specifically pitchers the following season because they, they pitchers more than position players need that downtime that rest time for their arm to recover before they go into spring training the next year yeah that could be an interesting way of uh of handling the playoffs and it's going to be uh assuming we actually get to play some baseball at some point this year it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with that i personally like my idea better my idea well, let's, let's hear it chad I'm, oh. I'm, I'm i'm willing to listen all right for the first time ever my thoughts are, I'm I'm right now in this, you know, t uh, as we record this today, it would have been the first day of the uh, National uh, Collegiate Athletic Association Men's Basketball Tournament. And, uh, you know, March Madness is a, is a big thing in my house and lots of lots of homes. And uh, we're all bummed out about not, that not, not happening this year, about the tournament getting canceled. So I was sort of thinking, what about this? You play, uh, you play however many games you play, and then at the end of it, you have a 64-team tournament. And so the MLB teams are going to be seeded by how they perform in whatever long the, the, the regular season goes. That's how the seeding is determined. And then you take uh, the top uh, minor league teams, however many from each uh, minor full-season minor league, and they get to play in it as well. And so you have 64 teams playing and so you got you know you could have a you know a, a double A team with a chance to you know go to the elite eight or something. Those will be your Cinderella teams, and uh, so that, that's that's my that's my preference. Let's have a big sixty four team tournament. It'd be March Madness in November, and it's just going to be it'll be fantastic. Now, tell me that everyone would not go nuts to watch something like that. I like your idea better too. It's never going to happen, but man, that'd be fun. I mean, it, 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 that, that's similar to kind of what they do in soccer every couple of years. I don't know exactly what it's called, but I remember FC Cincinnati before they were an MLS team. 
you know, they, they got into that national tournament or whatever, and they were te- technically a quote-unquote minor league soccer team, and they were playing MLS teams in that tournament. That that was pretty cool. Now, I mean, I, I think baseball is the one sport where on, on any given day they actually could compete with sure. a major league team because of the importance of a starting pitcher. And, I mean, if, if you have a guy who has major league stuff, but, you know, they, they battle that consistency or whatever, but if they're on that day, they can get major leaguers out. Uh, so I, I don't know. I'm on board, Chad. Who do I got to talk to? <laughs> could I, should I should I get get a hold of Dick Williams, Nick Crawl, and see if I can get the ball rolling on this? Do that or just go straight to uh, Commissioner Rob Manford and see if, uh, see if you can we, we, we know Rob Manford isn't going to listen to anything I've got to say. <laughs> That's probably probably true. So other things around Cincinnati. First of all, I guess we should say there was actually one a bit of baseball news that came out of this week that kind of a little bit unexpected. While everyone, the, you know, big league camp is uh, not actually a thing that's happening, but Tyler Stevenson got and, and uh, he's obviously Reds catcher, minor league, a big time prospect, Tyler Stevenson, and then uh, pitcher Jose De Leon were optioned out of big league camp to uh, AAA Louisville. Um, which you know that's not unexpected that that would happen, but did you find the timing of that a little bit odd? That just in the middle of this kind of blackout of any other news and things, everything up in the air, we get this little press release that oh yeah, these guys are being sent uh, sent to AAA. Yeah, it was weird, and I I don't understand the relevance behind it. I'm sure that there is some reason that it happened. The Reds weren't the only team that have done that. Uh, I actually saw a team today sent like six guys to the minor leagues. Um, I'm sure for procedural reasons, it makes sense. Uh, but I actually, I've asked around and haven't really found anyone that has a good answer for it. I uh, probably should reach out to an agent and see what maybe they can find out about that. But uh, yeah, it's it's certainly interesting that, you know, so, you know I guess, kind of lost your job, sort of, while you weren't playing. <laughs> yeah, sort of, yeah. I, don't <sighs> know, I, just, I thought it was odd, and, and you're right. There has to be some reason. I don't I don't know what it is, but some procedural some rules, some regulations, something that, that caused them to feel like they had to do it then. But anyway, that was really the only uh, Reds actual baseball news. There can, was... we, uh, can, can we talk about how good Tyler Stevenson had performed real quick? <laughs> sure, absolutely. I, I'm always I, I mean, he, he was hitting it. 350 with a 500 on base percentage, and he was slugging 750. Now, of course, small sample size alert, but I mean, I feel like that nobody was talking about just the incredible performance he was having while, you know, playing the spring. Because, you know, Jose Garcia has been getting all of the pub because. I mean, he got out to a great start, but, I mean, Tyler Stevenson had four walks and a strikeout and four extra base hits and 22 plate appearances, and it just seems like nobody really gave a second thought to it. So, yeah. way to go, Tyler. I just wanted to put that out there. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm constantly, and you're doing the same thing, telling people, come on, let's, no, let's not take spring training statistics too seriously. But it was good to see those two guys who are considered by uh, most observers, certainly by me, to be two really key guys that if they really develop like they can de- develop, it really puts the Reds ahead of the game a little bit because that's two key positions at catcher and shortstop where you've got a, a, a potential stud stud player coming up through the system. So, yeah, always happy to see Tyler Stevens. And he's pretty much performed well everywhere he's been as long as he's been healthy. His issue has just been health, but when he's healthy, he's generally played pretty well. Yeah, and I, I mean, he missed a lot of time the first two seasons mm-hmm. uh, after the draft, but he's been healthy ever since. And yeah. I mean, you, you've seen the, the improvements, and I'm, I know we've talked about that in the past, so I don't want to dive into it too much. But yeah, I mean, when he's been healthy, he's gotten it done. Now, more Reds-related news from the week, though it was not necessarily baseball-related, and that is that the Reds uh, announced this week that they did have a team employee test positive 
for the uh, coronavirus. So, um, you know, th- that is what it is. They took uh, pre- precaution to get sent it a, sent a precautionary notice. That's the words I, I was looking for to anyone who is uh, inside the building of the Red Spring Training Complex that an Arizona-based Reds employee had tested positive for the virus. Now, we don't know who that is, right? Uh, correct. Um, now, I, I don't know where you're going to go with this, Chad, but I'm just going to drop it in here because it's, it's on my mind right now. Uh, you know, the, the Reds sent out um, an alert, so to speak, to anybody they believed had had contact with him, including all of the minor league and major league players, uh, the other staff. Uh, you know, Jim Day was actually on the, uh, the Reds Hot Stove show last night as one of the hosts. Um, everybody was calling in from their own homes. It wasn't a, a gathering or whatever. Uh, and Jim Day noted that he was among several Cincinnati-based Reds employees who went and got tested yesterday when they found out about it. Um, and it, as of yesterday, which I guess when you're listening, there will be Wednesday, that um, it, it was going to be three to five days before they get the results. But uh, as of now, no one else is showing any symptoms or signs. Um, it, it was just a precautionary thing where you know, they had direct contact with someone who did test positive. So better safe than sorry. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I teach at a local school. I'm on adjunct faculty there. And uh, one of our students at the school uh, kind of alerted the, the, the school community that he had been out to watch the Reds. They specifically went to watch the Reds in Arizona and um, came back. And as soon as he found out about this, he told everybody, he's, you know, this was on March 13th. They said the dates were February 29th to March 14th. Um, and obviously he was just at the games. He didn't have any, he didn't know if he had any close contact with the employee, but he was never inside the facility. I don't guess other than, well, I guess he, uh, you know, to watch the game, but, uh, you know, he had had no symptoms and, um, and didn't even know about this until the day before that, uh, um, March 14th. So, uh, you know, but you think about that, that that's how this thing gets spread, <laughs> you know, as if, uh, this guy from Southwest Virginia, it's in Goodyear watching the watching the Reds and take it back wherever you wherever you go. That's why it's important to wash your hands, be smart, stay away from people, and maybe limit the travel. So uh, somebody said that the, the if if we limit traveling, that the hardest hit's going to be James Harden. I like that joke. I really <laughs> no, I really real, do. It's really a dumb joke. It's a classic. <laughs> it's it's the best dad joke though. <laughs> I'm the king of the dad jokes to my children's uh, everlasting lament. So that was uh, that was the Reds uh, news, I guess. Some more news around baseball is that the Reds have agree- agreed, along with other uh, major league teams, to pledge a million dollars per team to help cover um, wages for the ballpark employees. They're not going to make that money because games aren't starting. And uh, and in that, and I don't know what that means. There weren't very many details, but they also announced, I believe today, there's some. Something in place to start paying minor league players that are at home as well. Doug, what's that story? So this is put out by Major League Baseball and the Players Association kind of as a a joint release that minor league players, for the time being, are going to be given their meal money, basically, um, for the time that they missed going up to the day of the regular season, which would have been April 8th. Uh, So... Depending on exactly which organization it is, because some they, they do pay differently, um, anywhere from $525 uh, to the Reds are actually going to be covering $1,200 because they were they were one of the teams that actually paid their players more. 
Um, and it, it's, a, it's a one-time lump sum thing to get them through April 8th. Both sides have said that, you know, we're working on something for, you know, paying them once the season would have started on, if it had started on time, what we're going to do from there. It's it's something we're working on. We don't have details for it yet. So this is just kind of a, a short-term thing just to kind of cover them um, for what they had planned on having had they been, you know, had things been going normally. So expect more news on that, but that that's kind of all we've got on that front right now. Absolutely. Now, let me... Um say that's pretty much all there is to talk about this week we knew if you listen to last week's podcast you know we anticipated well there aren't gonna be a lot of baseball news and uh doug is still putting out fantastic uh content at redlegnation.com and resmileagues.com and i urge you all to go every single day to those sites um but i put out the call to some of our uh, our listeners about well what are we what are we going to talk about this week and we have some ideas for future episodes but for this week the uh, and we don't have to take a lot of time on this but i thought it was a fun little exercise um, one of our patrons over at patreon.com slash redlegradio, the immortal Joe Farsing, suggested, if you were the commissioner, you know, what would you do? How would, if you were made commissioner of baseball today, what would be your agenda uh, in baseball? And he suggests, uh, with question marks after each of these, expansion, realignment, universal DH, ban the DH. Um, Doug, uh, first thing, let's, let's take each of those uh, in order, and then we'll talk about whatever else you might like to do. Expansion, would you expand baseball? Assuming that you're na- named commissioner today, and this uh, the virus threat is put behind us relatively quickly, and we get back to business as usual. I don't think that I would on the surface. Now, obviously, Major League Baseball has way more information about these things than I do, and how it would work, and whether it would be beneficial for uh, both, both, both baseball as a whole, and for, you know, I guess two different cities that would be picking up new teams. Um, now, I, I could be convinced that it would make sense, uh, or at least I'd be willing to listen to ideas that would try and convince me of that. I wouldn't do it right now based on what I know. But again, as I said, I, I don't have enough information to make a, a truly good idea on, on whether I think that is something that would work or not. Yeah, you know, I would be looking at it. I like places like uh, Las Vegas or um – if they're done, if it's done right, or Nashville, or I mean, there are places you could look to to expand to, but I don't know about that. Realignment uh, makes a lot of sense, and you know, since uh, interleague play, I'm less invested in the ideas of idea of leagues, and uh, you know, I expect, especially if they uh, force the designated hitter on us, and we'll, you and I'll argue about that in a moment. But if they force that on us, it makes all the sense in the world to realign geographically these teams because it you know they're all over the all over the place. So where, where would you where, where do you stand on those? I mean, I, I like realignment in the sense that I don't even want divisions. I, I think with the wild card system now that having divisions is it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, as we've all seen for the last twenty years, some divisions are much better than others, and that's going to create a problem getting those wild cards in a fair manner. If say you're in a division like the National League Central, where every team is good except for the Pirates. Uh, or you're in a division where only two teams are good and you get to beat up on teams that are going to win 62 games uh, at the bottom of your division a lot. Um, in a situation like we used to have where only the division winners made the playoffs, well, then it was fair because if you won your division, you're in. You didn't have to go up against, say, you know, the Reds weren't vying for that, that wild card spot versus, you know, um, oh, gosh, <sighs> The Reds were in the National League West, and everything is so backwards, and I'm old and forgetful <laughs> now. But I think everybody understands what I'm saying. Sure. So I, I, I'm, I'm on board for getting rid of the divisions. I'm not even sure realignment would really do much to sway me one way or the other. 
So that, more, that that's where I'm at on that one. You're saying sort of more of a uh, an NBA type model, where actually they still have divisions, but really the divisions are all next right. to meaningless. I, I, I'd much rather see a balanced schedule where everybody plays everybody, you know, X number of times, and it's just hey, the the best six records make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have the leagues separated back like they used to be and not play each other. Here's my moment where I get to act like the old guy yelling for somebody to get off my lawn. Um, get, I'd get rid of interleague play. That's one thing I would do. And I would keep the DH in the National League and let the American League do whatever they wanted to do. And I know you disagree with me on that point, but I think uh, the designated hitter is an abomination and should be you know, stricken from the face of the earth because that's just not, uh, that's not baseball to me. Uh, and I don't feel I'm I'm saying that a lot more strongly than I actually feel about it because when they do it and it's inevitable, I'm gonna be like, eh, okay, whatever. I just I don't like it. So go ahead and tell me how wrong I am about the DH. All right, I do not like pitchers hitting, but I don't have a problem with it. My issue with the DH is that it creates two very different sets of rules for baseball, and it's not that I don't like watching. You know, two different sets of rules. What what gets me with the DH is that it creates very different sets of ways teams go about building their roster. The American League teams can go out and acquire bad fielders, and they can offer longer contracts to good players today and say, get them to sign, where the Reds can't offer that sixth and seventh year for a quote-unquote superstar kind of hitter that, say, the Red Sox could. Because when that guy's no longer able to play third base or first base after their fourth year on their contract, they can just go, okay, well, now we've got a guy who can OPS 900 and be a DH, where National League teams can't do that. And that that's my biggest issue with the DH. Either both leagues need to have it or both leagues need to not have it. Uh, I don't really care which way it goes, but I also understand that the reality of the situation is it's never going away because the Players Association is not going to allow it. So I'd put it in both leagues because it's they're not going to agree to letting it go away, but they will agree to making it happen in both leagues. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. But um, again, if I'm the emperor of baseball, I get rid of it entirely in both leagues. Um, but yeah, you know, is what it is. It's never going to happen. The one thing that I would love to do, and I've said this before, um, I don't know that I've said it on the podcast. I've said it on on the uh, Twitter.com, the worst website on earth, as opposed to Red Lake Nation, which is the best website on earth. Um, I would, if I were in control of baseball, I would implement a system of promotion and relegation. And you mentioned soccer earlier, and uh, they don't really have it in American soccer, but in the, you know world soccer, especially uh, Europe, the the system of promotion and relegation that they use for soccer leagues is incredible. And it could work in baseball. It can't work under the current model where teams essentially you know provide players to uh, you know when Branch Rickey sort of. He was the brainchild of Branch Rickey, the minor league system, and there were teams that were kind of, you know, property, essentially, or at least their players were, eventually became the property of the big league teams, and they assigned players to those teams. Is how that evolved. But if you had the old-style minor league teams that were just owned by a guy in that city, and you know, Asheville, North Carolina, some guy owns a, a, a furniture store and, and owns the baseball team, and he, you know, pays for players and all that. What I would like to see is that the way it works in the Premier League, English soccer, the three bottom teams, the three worst teams in the league, they go down essentially to the minor leagues. It's called the championship, but it's, it's essentially AAA is the way we think of the next year. They're actually out of the league. And the top three teams from the uh, the championship, which is, again, kind of the AAA, would get promoted to the Premier League. So in baseball, you know, same thing. Three or four worst teams in the league 
they go down to triple A. And the, the and then the you know the two best teams from the International League and the two best teams from the uh, American Association or however you want to do it, they get bumped up to the majors. And that this happens in every league all the way down triple A, double A, single A. And so you could you know essentially take a team from you know single A if you get some you know billionaire that wants to buy a team or a rookie team in Kingsport, Tennessee, and uh, you know pay for the players they want to build up a team and can work their way up the up the ladder. To me, I think that would create some huge uh, strategy for it would force teams to try to win first of all yeah i mean you can't tank under that scenario because you got you can't drop down and so i I don't know i just think that it's so much fun the way it's done in soccer and that's my dream scenario that will never happen for baseball never say never chad if you get a time machine you could make it happen (laughs) well i mean it it would would absolutely require you going back in time to pre-1945 but you know, if if you get a time machine, that could be your thing. Well, hold on here. I'm, I'm furiously typing uh, at Amazon.com here. Okay, I just ordered a uh, a hot tub. That's the first step. Maybe it'll be a time machine, right? It could be. I saw I've, it. I've, I've seen it happen. Yeah, it's happened before. All right, so that's – anyway, that's uh, sort of the, the de facto topic of the show because I thought it was interesting to think about what we would do. Let's get into some questions here, viewer mail questions. The first group of these questions come from our friends at Patreon.com slash Redleg Radio, and we got some really good ones this week. Before we get into those questions, I want to give a big thank you to my man, Kerry Johnson. Kerry, a new supporter of the podcast at Patreon.com slash Redleg Radio. And Kerry, a Reds fan from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, he tells us. Now, here's Kerry's sad story before we go into picking his position on the Redleg Nation Radio Diamond. He had tickets this year for the first opening day that he was ever going to go to. And the coronavirus knocked him out of it. Now, that is a sad story to me because you've been to opening day, Doug, I presume. I've been to uh, a number of opening days. It's just a fun time. And uh, I hate that for you, Kerry. Sorry to sorry to hear that. But thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, that's a sad story, isn't it, Doug? It is. I, I, I can't, well, I guess I can't imagine, but... It, it, it's tough to be in that situation where you've got all that excitement. You've been looking forward to something for such a long time, and you, you finally get the opportunity to do it. And then, well, it just kind of – the rug gets pulled out from underneath you. Yeah, yeah. Another of our patrons was planning to go out to Goodyear, and that rug got pulled out from him as well. But anyway, Kerry, thank you. Now, Kerry, we, we have this custom of when we get new uh, subscribers, new supporters at Patreon, to pick a position on the field. Kerry Johnson. Kerry Johnson. In my mind, Kerry Johnson, okay, I've got him as a left fielder. He he has a big arm, a big arm. He has a big bat as well, but it's it's Adam Dunn style. It's, you know, um, home run or nothing here on Home Run Derby. So he's a, he's a slugger, but he's not going to hit for a lot of average. Now, he'll take a walk, but he's going to have a low average. So that's what I that's how I picture Kerry Johnson. What position do you have Kerry at? We're we're pretty close on this, Chad, because I, I saw him as a catcher with a big arm and a guy who would have probably a lower average, but plenty of power. Uh, at least for at least for a catcher. Not Adam Dunn Power, because Adam Dunn Power to catcher is, is crazy. Oh, yes. But you know, I'm, I'm I was thinking like, you know, twenty to twenty five home runs, uh, and as as a catcher, I mean that's that's a lot because they they don't really play hundred and fifty plus games. That's true. All right, good uh good uh, luck there, Kerry, in your whatever position you end up on our softball team. Let's get back to the questions from, uh, again, viewer mail. Actual letters from actual viewers. First comes from Hooper Powell. Hooper's question is, seeing that the season will be shortened, 
which means less, re less revenue for the Reds' ownership, will this have any effect on 2021 payroll? And this is some of these things, these questions specifically how they affect the Reds, and, and we can talk as well about, we have a question later about how it's going to affect some guys with opt-outs. We'll, so we'll talk about that later in the show. But um, the Reds made a commitment to spend this winter, and it, I can't see how having less revenue would not impact the Reds more than some other teams that have a little bit more uh, in the bank. You know, um, we believe the Reds have plenty of money in some ways, but they don't have as much as the Yankees. And so it's it's kind of, um, from just from the baseball perspective, I'm a little concerned about how not having a half a season of games and the, and the revenue that comes from that is going to affect the Cincinnati's ability to be creative next winter and be aggressive next winter. Doug, any thoughts on that? I mean, I, I think that it's going to affect a lot of teams. Um, as you mentioned, maybe more so for the Reds, given, you know, their market size and, you know, their, they probably do rely on ticket sales a little bit more than other teams because of their market size. Um, so if, if you're not having as many games, obviously that's going to come into play for next year. But if, you know, let's say they return, we, we, we return to baseball and we play however many games. But if it seems that all of this is behind us and things can kind of move forward, quote unquote, as normal, you know, you can build that into your your budget if you think that, hey, you know, we're still going to play 162 games next year, which means 81 home games. We're going to get this revenue that, you know, they're, they're probably not going to approach the off season, so to speak, um, as, you know, hey, we don't have any money. You know, they're, they're going to have a good idea that, you know, it, again, assuming that things are, quote unquote, back to normal. That you know they're going to sell say you know twenty five thousand seats per game based on you know what they performed like this past season or what their plans are for twenty twenty one and what they kind of want to build their team like. Um, I, I think in the short term it, it, it could have a, a little effect, um, more so for the Reds because of you know just the market size kind of issue. But uh, overall, assuming that you know things go as we all hope they do. I don't think it's going to have any any real long term ramifications any more for the Reds than anybody else. I, I think that you know we, if we really want to take a deep dive into things, how you know the entire economy could kind of play, but that's going to affect all teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the Reds are, are uh, likely to face a little more of a challenge than some teams, um, but there'll be other teams in the Reds' boat, and every team's going to, have to be be fighting that. Now, the other side of it is if the, we do come back and play baseball, if the Reds have the season that we kind of hope they would. Uh, you know, attendance, it kind of it kind of trails another year. There was no guarantee that the Reds' attendance was going to be great this year. Season tickets uh, may have been slightly up, but not a huge change. Uh, it's it's a situation where it's usually a year behind. So if the Reds have a good season this year, their season ticket numbers will go up big time for next year. And well, not just that. Let's, let's look at it from last year's perspective. I feel that the Reds went out and did some of the things they did last year and planned around, you know, their 2019 budget based on the idea that they were going to sell a lot more tickets. And that didn't happen because they got out to an absolutely terrible start and a week into the season, nobody had any faith that this team was going to do anything. Yeah. So, and, and, and that clearly didn't stop them from going out and spending a whole boatload of money this off season. Now, obviously it's, it's a different kind of thing, but you know, it, the attendance only does so much. Hooper had a question for you specifically, uh, Doug, Mr. Gray, do you see Hunter green as a future stud stud starter? Or a closer. I mean, I, I think that, you know, when you're talking about a guy who has 
thrown 50-something innings in, in A-ball? It's a, it's a tough question to really, you know, be certain about, especially as a pitcher, because, you know, well, as we've seen, Hunter's already been hurt twice now. Um, but I, I think that the Reds are going to give him every opportunity that they can to be a starting pitcher. Um, I'm excited about what I've seen from his new mechanics. Um, but it, it's going to have to be a wait and see. But I, I think that the transition to the bullpen would be something very far down the road, uh, kind of as a, a, a last um you know, last-ditch effort to get something from him before he would reach free agency, assuming that things didn't go as planned. I see him as a really good hitting shortstop after the Reds trade him to get a really good hitting shortstop. They're going to trade him before he gets hurt again. I just did that again. I don't even want to say words right now, Chad. Oh, I'm tempting fate. This is probably the worst time to be tempting fate in the history of, uh, at least in our lifetimes. Andrew Scott Wills asks... How will a shortened season affect Nick Castellanos' decision about his upcoming contract option? And this is a question that's been debated in our Slack channel a good bit and around Twitter and everywhere. Because, you know, Castellanos has the right to opt out of his contract after this year. And, uh, boy, that's tough luck for the Reds if uh, he opts out after only a half a season. The The question that was going on in our Slack channel was, well, you know, does, does this uh, hurt his marketability next off season if they only play half a season and uh and his ability to get you know a, a better contract on the free agent market and my opinion was i don't see that it does affect because i mean everybody knows who nick castellanos is if he performs well even in that half season he's still going to be in demand at his age on the free agent market now uh, will he be able to get more than he's going to get from the reds next year uh, i don't know but there's a good chance of it so i don't know that it affects the decision but now, and I want to let you answer that question, but I also want to say that there's some, some talk about service time issues for, for players just coming up to the big leagues. And, and, and I also wonder whether there's going to be some discussion with the Players Association about uh, opt-out years, given that, you know, he's really not, uh, he's not served a year of his contract. He has, but uh, he will have, but not really doing what he was being paid to do, if that makes sense. So, Doug? All right, well, I'll, I'll start with the the service time issue. I think that uh, based around all of the conversations we've heard come out that assuming they do actually play games this year, that Castellanos and everybody else is going to get their full year of service time. Uh, the, it seems the player association is pushing pretty hard for that one. Um, so I, I don't think that that's going to be a factor. Now, going back to the first question is something that's kind of intriguing with this question. Um, if say teams start to be a little bit more concerned about future income because of any any different of the reasons that we can all come up with based on what's going on right now. Um, if you've got guaranteed money and another opt-out after next season, like Nick Castellanos does, I mean, are you going to go out into maybe an uncertain market not knowing exactly how teams are going to react uh, coming off of a shortened season where everybody's kind of, I don't want to say being cheap, but maybe being more conservative because they aren't sure what's going to happen um, and, you know, see how things play out in 2021. That's a good point that I haven't really considered that well, is that my, the team, we've seen the teams, you know, play some, uh, some games. We've seen some shenanigans with free agency, uh, not, not so much this past off season, but the two off seasons before. And you'll wonder if teams and ownership will use this uh, uncertainty 
as an excuse to pull away from the free agent market and try to, you know, play more games. I don't know. We'll and I, I, I mean, I, I don't even want to say that they're playing games at this point, whereas I, I, I definitely am on record saying that in the past couple of all seasons. Uh, I, I'm, I don't think that that would be – I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I wouldn't put it past them, but I, I don't think that that is something that was really on my mind when I made my statement either. I just think that it's a situation where, you know, unfortunately that, that could be a situation that they're in where they there really is uncertainty with what's going to be coming in. Yeah, 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 the uncertainty uh, with – what's coming and, and also with uh, the economy, which are, are bigger questions than we can answer on this podcast. Rich Thompson asks at redleg patreon.com slash red radio in previous podcasts, you've highlighted some of the less than memorable players in reds history. And you've indulged a few of my questions about uh, let's just say some of the more unremarkable reds of all time too. Thanks for that. Now I want to take it up a notch and ponder this. Number one, would you ever consider composing a follow-up book to the big 50, the men and moments that made the Cincinnati reds, but instead highlight some of the less than memorable and unremarkable Reds of all times, of all time. And uh, two, if you did write such a book, which less than memorable and unremarkable Red would you want to grace the jacket of this potential parody masterpiece? For myself, I see it as a battle royale either between Brad Golden or Junior Kennedy. Thanks for the question, Rich. First, um, would I consider composing a follow-up to that book? Uh, no, no one's going to purchase that book. No one except for Rich Thompson will purchase that <laughs> book. You wouldn't even buy yourself a copy? No, no. I wouldn't even let the publisher send me any oh. courtesy copies. No, no, no. Um, the second question is, though, if that book did exist, who would be on the cover of it? And there's no question who it would be. I mean, I love the idea of Junior Kennedy. We can't get enough Junior Kennedy com- content on this uh, this here podcast. But but it's got to be Wayne Krenchicki, right? I mean, you would be the author, so yes, it has to be, because you just said so. Yeah, so that's what it's going to be. Dwight Kelly has a movie question. Whose work do you prefer, Gregory Peck or Cary Grant? I recently watched Grant's North by Northwest, a Hitchcock film, and it was terrific. Good question, Dwight. I'm always up for movie questions. Um, I'll go ahead and give my answer, and if you have a, any thoughts, uh, Doug, you can certainly chime in with those. For me, it's not even close. Cary Grant. Come on. Cary Grant. I mean, I love Gregory Peck. But Cary Grant, North by Northwest, Notorious, His Girl Friday, uh, The Philadelphia Story, uh, To Catch a Thief, maybe my favorite, Arsenic and Old Lace. Oh, my goodness. Cary Grant. Uh, and, and the reason I like Cary Grant, I'll say, is because there was a character on the old Flintstones cartoon named Cary Granite. And I thought that was pretty, <laughs> that was pretty cool. Uh, I'll see the chat on this one. I, I have not seen enough films of, of either of them to have a, a good opinion, uh, but Chad knows his stuff, so I'll, I'll, I'll take his opinion. Gregory Peck's great as well. To Kill a Mockingbird, Roman Holiday, The Guns of the Navarone, but come on, Cary Granite. Uh, and Hitchcock. Go watch every Hitchcock film. If you have not watched Hitchcock movies, go watch every single one of them. North, Northwest is a good place to start. But uh, Vertigo, Rear Window, oh my goodness, go watch them. Kyle Kapler asks another movie question. Is Roadhouse the greatest movie ever? Doug, you want to take that one? I will take it. No, it is not. But it is fantastic, um, and I love it. And I, I guilty pleasure watch it probably five or six times a year. What movie could possibly rank ahead of Roadhouse, Doug? I mean, I've, I've got a lot of movies I'd probably rank what? ahead of it. I, look, I take it. My, my my thing is when I when I think about like greatest movies to me, like I don't I think about things that just I I enjoy. 
not necessarily something that is just a, a cinematic, you know, piece of just pure perfection. I, I want to watch stuff that is just it, it brings me joy. And, and so for me, whenever I'm like, OK, greatest movie ever, immediately I start thinking about things that make me feel good, whether that's, you know, laughter or, you know, a, a good love story, things like that. Th- those jump to the top of my list. And Roadhouse, eh, I guess there's kind of kind of a love story in there, too. But, you know, he yeah. also rips some guy's throat out. So uh, well, and that's the best part. <laughs> one, the, the, the question I would pose to you now, then, is what one movie? Do you just enjoy watching more than any other? And, and really one that you could just watch over and over and over and, and never gets old. Is there one movie like that that you could name that uh, if you had to go put a movie on the other room, this is the one you'd put on right now? You've got mail. You've got mail. Really? Yeah, I, I love it. I, I cannot help myself. Well, listen, I'm a certified, uh, I'm the president of the Meg Ryan fan club, so I'm not going to argue with you on that one. Um, and of course, Tom Hanks, uh, as well, but, uh, wow, you've got, you've got viewer mail. That's going to be the Red Leg Nation movie. I'm in. I'm in. Can I play myself? <laughs> yes, absolutely. To, uh, and Melissa McCarthy is going to play me as we already noted. The, the movie that fits that definition to me of the, the one that I just, again, it's not the best movie ever, but it's the one I just, I can't get it. I can't watch. I can't imagine how many times I watch it. I watch it every day. And there was a time during, uh, when I was in school, but I did watch it just about every day, it seemed like, and that's Tombstone. Oh, if you've not seen mm. Tombstone, it's just so quotable and just so amazing. So it's, it's it's a good one. It is. All right, Joe Farsing asks, and Joe is uh, here's one of his typical uh, off the off the wall questions, asking us to pick which one of these we like these players we like the best, and his choices are Vada Flu, Typhoid Cobb, or Kirk Sarslos. I like Kirk Sarslos. I'm gonna go with Vita Flu. That's, that's pretty. They were all pretty good. So, like, don't <laughs> don't don't take any offense. There, those were all pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, Joe. That's that's uh, some of your best work. Scott or Webker asks: With everything that's going on, does it make it easier for teams like the Indians to trade impending free agent stars since they're getting less time from them with a shortened season? So let's break that down. With everything that's going on, does it make it easier for teams like the Indians to trade impending free agent stars since they're getting less time from them? With a shortened season, I don't know. I think it might make it more difficult. Uh, they got less time to actually have them helping their team on the field. I don't know. I, I, again, these are all questions. That, it's a good question, Skyler. And I don't think anybody really knows. We're all in a in a new world, and everyone's kind of trying to figure their way out. And each team's trying to feel their way through it. And it's just I said it earlier, but really, it's uncharted territory. Yeah, I mean, my, my initial thought was I think it'd be more difficult to trade them. Uh, from the sense that, it's, particularly with the with, with Cleveland, because they're they're a good team, and I, I my immediate thought was, when you've got a shorter season, a great a truly great player has more impact. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. So, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Kevin Jacobson has a suggestion for the uh, future of Red Leg Nation Radio while we're in the the midst of this blackout. I think every week you should do a dramatic reading of one chapter out of the Big 50. And when I say dramatic, I mean really, really dramatic. Kevin knows me well. We're going to start next week with a dramatic reading of chapter 29, The Legend of Lisalberto Bonilla. 
my 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 version of that book didn't come with that in there. Doug, can I just say something to you here? How much I appreciate the fact that you pretend to my face to have uh, purchased a copy of my book. That means a lot to me. <sighs> I'm gonna have to tweet out a picture of my book, aren't I? <laughs> you may have to. Yes. All right, we're gonna get some questions now before we wrap it up here on Red Leg Nation Radio. Some final questions from our friends at twitter.com slash redlegradio. First question comes from Brian Bowdy. Hash Brown viewer mail. Which red will be Mr. December as this year's World Series hero? And I think that's a, that's a good question in, in the sense that it references the fact that are we going to, how far can we extend this season? I think you pointed out early in the, in the podcast the reason why they can't really extend it too much farther than it already goes. And that's because of the pitching. Teams are going to be in a mess next spring. If their pitchers yeah. don't get sufficient rest in the off season, it's just it's I, I, so many things that go into it. I mean, the the only way that that could happen is if they also built in a a situation where it was like ninety four, ninety five, where you know the season started later because of the lockout uh, in in nineteen ninety five. Once things got going, that if in their mind they felt that they needed to extend the twenty twenty season into say December to get to a World Series, that they would have to push back the start of the regular season the following year in order to give pitchers uh, enough time to recover. Uh, so unless they went that way, I don't think that December would actually be there. But uh, for the record, my pick is Eugenio Suarez uh, because he's going to hit five home runs in the World Series as the Cincinnati Reds become world champions. There you go. Whether it's December or whenever they have it, I'm going to go with Eugenio Suarez as well just because I just like him. He's, he's so likable. He's, he's so, so fun. Likeable. He is. He's great. Clutchy McGritterson at C. McGritterson asks, Hash Brown Viewer Mail, do you know where I can find some toilet paper? I do, but I'm not telling you where I live. <laughs> exactly. Oh, by the way, people, wash your hands, social distancing, do all the things that are being recommended. It's really going to help. But hoarding toilet paper helps no one. And, and there's no reason to do it. The supply chains are all fine. You're going to get your toilet paper. That's going to be there uh, when you go back. Hoarding things is not going to uh, do you any good. That's that's my little uh, public service announcement. I'll just echo what Chad said because he's college educated and I'm not, so therefore uh, listen to him. Yeah, that's a terrible reason to listen to somebody just because they're college educated. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong, <laughs> but Chad, Chad is a very smart man, whether it's because of college or not. So listen, listen to him who is telling you to listen to the experts. Yeah. Frank Novak... At the Frank Novak. So this is not a, a fake Frank Novak. This is the that's, Frank that, Novak. That's good because I want no part of the, the fake yeah. Frank Novak. Yeah, we're not answering that guy's questions. If the coronavirus played baseball, what team would he play for and what position would he play? This is easy for me. It's easy for me, too. I'll let you go ahead and say. He'd be the St. Louis Cardinals catcher. Oh, I, was, I went a little different direction. Although I love your direction. I was going to say he'd, be the, he'd have to be a player manager because he'd be the manager of the Pirates. I will accept either answer. Yeah, either of those could would be correct, and uh, that's a, a creative question. I like that. All right, thank you. That's the last uh, last of the viewer mail questions, Doug. I want to talk just briefly about something that's coming uh, next week. I'm not really going to talk about it. I've been teasing it a little bit on Twitter, but uh, yeah, we've had people bugging us for more content during this uh, time when we have no sports, and people are some people are, are working from home, and uh, most people, I hope or at least trying to uh, minimize time away from home and need some things to entertain them. So we got a little surprise coming for you on Monday from Red Leg Nation Radio. That's all I'm going to say. Just check your feeds on Monday if you're subscribed. If you're not subscribed, go subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. You can subscribe for free and get the podcast uh, delivered to your phone, whatever your device is, automatically. Get it delivered to your iPod, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how you're listening to these things. 
What year is this? 1974. Oh, the t- the hot tub time machine worked. Oh, it did. Sort of. Because <laughs> I feel like we wanted to go back further in time, but, you know. That's true. Beggars can't be choosers, right? Exactly. Uh, also, if, you, if you'd like us, talk about us, tell your friends, and uh, let's get as many supporters as we can. You can support us at patreon.com slash redlegradio if you are able to do that. Um, if not, that's fine, because we're going to keep uh, delivering this product to you every single week. Doug, any final thoughts about where we are and where we're going? Stay safe and listen to the experts. I that That's all I got. All right, for Doug Gray and the Hot Tub Time Machine, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.